So I tell people to look at it in their lives in a very practical way. What is it that you're doing regularly? When are you sleeping? When are you waking up? What are you putting in your body? What's going on in your life? Who's around you? And are those things taking you closer to your vision or further away? Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. Hi, how are you guys doing? I'm feeling super, super energized. This year feels like it is going to be the turnaround year. We're going to come out of this thing. We're all going to get vaccinated. We're going to be safe until then. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm feeling, I declared that this was going to be an epic year. And the universe is starting to drop little messages that I'm loving, can't ignore. So in case you haven't heard me brag about this on the socials and in my newsletter, my book got named the number one book to read on Forbes's list of the 21 books to read in 2021. Number one, which is fantastic, not because of vanity, but because of vision and mission and my deep desire to keep fanning the flames of this movement and to have so many more of our souls liberated on the road to a billion. And I'm super grateful for this community for being a part of that because I always say it, I can't do it on my own. And we, one thing that I'm doing more and more of, and, and you guys are experiencing this is, man, the more I show up, the, the more I am living my truth, clearing the static out of my channel, which is something we'll talk about in this episode, the more, the most incredible people are showing up in my life to be a part of this mission. And so that I can be a part of theirs and that collectively we can have a huge fucking impact in the world. And today's guest, Justin Michael Williams is one of those people through and through. Like Addison, who you met a couple of weeks ago. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a must listen. Like Addison, Justin and I met down at Modern Elder Academy in Baja. Justin and Addison were the two youngest modern elders. They're both 32 years young, old souls, incredible wisdom. And I feel so connected to them because they're both on big missions in the world. So let's talk about Justin's. And I'm so excited that not only we finally made it work to get our schedules to align, to have this conversation and we made it work to do it during Black History Month. And it was something I was really hoping that we could make happen. And I'm really grateful that Justin made himself available so we could have the conversation, get this thing edited and get it dropped onto your favorite pod platform so that we can all really be honoring Black History Month and be a part of what we can be doing going forward. And I have to tell you this conversation with Justin, I mean, first of all, let me tell you about Justin. 
then I'll tell you a little bit about the mission that he's leading. And we dive into so much of this juiciness in the conversation. But Justin is an author. We talk about his book. It's called Stay Woke, a meditation guide for the rest of us. He's a speaker. I mean, this guy went from growing up in a house with bullet holes and literally having to duck from bullets to now standing on stages with the likes of Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson and Danielle Laporte, and even more recently, virtually with Russell Brand. I mean, it's so incredible. He, <laughs> they kind of say that he's the pioneering voice for diversity and inclusion in wellness. He brings all of that and he is a powerful voice in the social justice space as well. And that's led him to this mission he is now leading to end racism. And this manifesto that he wrote that we can all pledge to support and we get into all the details in the conversation. And Justin, like, as if that isn't enough, that he is waking us all up. He's helping us transform from the inside out, change our freaking lives to do the stuff that's truly inside of us that we've always wanted to do. And his story of how he got there is so powerful. You'll get to learn about his grandma, Baka. And the question she asked him and the conversation they had is what changed the trajectory of his life and led him to pursue his passion of publishing, writing and publishing music. He became his very first album called Metamorphosis became a top 20 album. He was on the list, chart topping list with Taylor Swift and Britney Spears, I think at the time. Incredible. So we're talking, I mean, rebelling for transformation as an author, as a speaker, as a musician. I love he, he calls himself an inspirational entertainer using music and meditation to wake up the world. And you'll want to get deeper in. You guys, I didn't know who he was when I met him at Modern Elder Academy. And I so quickly through just getting to know him personally to sitting in a classroom while he was teaching to just going down the rabbit hole of wanting to be a part of everything and now really seeing him as my role model and mentor for what it really looks like to show up and serve powerfully your mission in the world, truly. And here's the thing I love the most. You're going to get a lot of practical nuggets out of this because he's this really unique combination of practical teacher and powerful preacher. I dropped that one on him in the conversation. He was just like, I love that. Nobody's ever said that. I mean, I really think he's the next Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, his manifesto and vision for ending racism, which we talk about at length, is so powerful. And here's the thing, the practical teacher side of him when we even when we talk about transformation, he's like real ass transformation. Let's break this shit down into practical and actionable ways of thinking about getting rid of our own self-sabotage and shifting our mindsets and really getting in touch with our dreams and our desires. And he makes it practical and actionable. This is literally 
everything he stands for, what he's put in this book and what I hope is coming in a future book that he is currently writing. So I can't, I could go on and on. I would much rather get into the introduction. I will end by saying this. I'm holding up one of my favorite desk plaques that goes everywhere with me. And it says, unfuckwithable. And I love this. It sits on my desk every day. I've brought it to LA to sit with me because it just reminds me like it's badassery at its core. And that's who Justin is with this deep spiritual soulfulness and all this just practicality and sensibility. And you will go on that beautiful ride with us for the next hour or so. Thank you for being with us. This one is a gem. I love that we can honor Black History Month and how we can end racism together. And there's a lot of real tangible action steps that we can all take as a result of what Justin's put out in the world that we talk about and that we'll link to in the show notes. So I love you all for being on this ride. Thank you, my Rebel Souls community. And let's dive into this juicy conversation with my soul brother, Justin Michael Williams. Welcome, my soul brother, Justin Michael Williams. Like, you know, you and I were just talking off camera. I am so fucking excited to have you here today. Thank you. Uh, It is an honor, my sister. It's an honor. It's an honor, my Uh. sister. Yeah, we were just saying it's like we're dropping back into having just been in Baja, even though that was back in November when we were both there together. It feels like yesterday. Yeah, we're totally in a time warp. I've been telling people it's like, you know, fasten your Zoom seatbelt. <laughs> it's I like know. we're on the time totally. warp ride. Totally. <laughs> well, and ironically, but I guess not coincidentally, you and I are both talking to each other from different parts of LA. So yeah. we've kind yeah. of like, we've landed back that, in the right? place. Yeah, yeah. I feel your energy though. And I'm so excited. Like you, you are up to so many amazing things in the world. You truly are like my inspiration, my mentor, my role model when it comes to leading a mission and leading a movement. I just watch what you do and how powerfully you serve your community. And I want you to know that I just, I take so much inspiration from that in terms of how I'm leading Soulbatical. So thank you. Well, you are a leader like in the most incredible ways. So hearing that from you makes my heart sing and and thank you. I'm just reflecting you, just Mm. reflecting you. That's beautiful, brother. All right. We got to dive into it because you know, the first question that I always ask is what are you rebelling for? Transformation. Mm. I'm rebelling for transformation for real ass transformation. Not this fake ass woo, like all love and light transformation, the real deal transformation. Okay. Let's get into this shit because you know, transformation is probably one of my favorite words. And I love that you just said it that way, because I think it's also one of those overused words, right? So what does real ass transformation look <laughs> like through your lens? What I love is that? You repeated it that way. I love that you said real ass. Okay. So, so this is one thing that I say all the time. And, you know, Chip Conley, who we both know, you know, he has some amazing teachings on this too. But like the thing that I think is really important to name is things change all the time. Like from the micro to the macro, we change our clothes, we change where we live, we change relationships that we're in, we change our bodies change consistently, and we change presidents, we change leaders, we change laws, we change government styles, we change all these things. 
None of those changes ever last if we haven't transformed. If we haven't gone in to do the actual real work that it takes internally to really change things. And when I, when I say this, you know, what happens, Shelly, is people think that I like, you know, okay, woo woo, you know, here I am holding a crystal, of course, woo woo, but like, you know, woo woo, okay, it all changed within and then everything will change. And sometimes when like, I speak a lot in social justice spaces or activist spaces and people, when they hear me say that, they think that I'm saying that the external work doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the external work that we're trying to do matters so much that it must be met with the same force and commitment and dedication to our internal work so that all this doing that we're doing has the opportunity to have the impact that we really want it to have. Yes, and it raises the vibration, our yeah. own vibration and the vibration of our society and culture and all of us as a collective, right? Yeah. And it not, not even beautiful. just like raising the vibration is important. And it's like, it's so much more practical. Than that. So let me just break it down. I'll get, I'll give, I can give this to yeah. you. And you're, all right, let's so, dive in. So this piece, how many of us, this is the perfect example, have been in a relationship with somebody, whether it's romantic or not, got out of that relationship because we realized it wasn't right for us anymore, took a little time doing whatever we needed to do, then got in a new relationship with someone else, completely new person, whole external circumstances changed, and then soon realized you're in the same relationship with a different person with a different name. Same conversations, we've all been there. Same I'm raising my hand. <laughs> same cycles. I'm raising my hand too, because we've yeah. all been there. And so this, what we're talking about here is you can't show up for any relationship differently if you haven't done the work that it takes to transform within. And that's your relationship with people, your relationship with your body, your relationship with your work, your relationship with your creativity, your relationship with your money, and for social justice, equality, and change. It all mm. applies. And so- when people think it's like, woo, whatever, you know, it's like, no, this is real practical. Like we have to do this work so that one of my favorite quotes is this quote that says, what doesn't heal repeats. Mm. What doesn't heal repeats. It's that simple. Sheila Marie said that. And it's so powerful because we see it in our lives. It repeats in our life. Then we pass it to our kids, future generations, da, 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 on and on and on. Yeah. So when we're doing this work, it's not just for us. It's for all the generations forward and backward, for all the women and all the people of color and all the indigenous people and all the different LGBTQIA plus people who didn't have an opportunity to ever think about this shit like mental health and manifesting and life purpose. It's our turn, you know, yeah. and we get to leave this world better than it is goosebumps. And I know I'm going to have goosebumps the entire time that you and I are talking because that's just what happens when you're the presence of JW, JMW, what am I doing? JMW. So here's the thing. One of the things I immediately loved you for, and I think one of the reasons why I've gone really deep in your work since I got to know you is because you're this really powerful combination of practical teacher and you've just started to show us some of that. And I want to dig into it more. And powerful preacher like Martin Luther King Jr. 
you're so good with these names, like the alliteration oh, of the names. I love that so much. Language, language is my thing. Like I literally just yeah. said on a Zoom call earlier today, the only thing you can ever really count on me for is I'll give you some energy and I'll give you some language. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I really, I mean that so sincerely. It's why I'm like, I love you. I feel deeply connected to you and to your work because you make it fucking real. You just made it real with this big transformation, loosey goosey concept. In many cases, you made it very real. And I want to keep breaking it down because I guess in a couple ways, right? One is your book is just is so inspirational and practical and helps us really say, how do we do the work? So I totally want to get into that conversation of like, what does that look like and where can we start? So that's one thing. Let's, let's go there. And then on the opposite side, as I think about powerful preacher, Martin Luther King Jr., like you are the next leader, this manifesto you recently wrote about ending racism in this generation is so effing powerful. I want to make sure that we create some space and dive in. But to me, that's like that, that's sort of the beautiful, like yin and yang that, that you are, and that you bring to this world in this work. So thank thank you. you. Yeah. And let's dive into some of it because I love, I love your story. So I want to, well, let's start with, you wrote this freaking book, Stay Woke. And I mean, I literally love a meditation guide for the rest of us is the, the subtitle of this thing. And it's, this sits on my bedside table, just so you know, I think you saw, I wrote this in my newsletter. So for everyone in the community, yes, this is the Justin Michael Williams I was talking about. And this sits with young Pueblo. This sits with Rupi Carr. This sits with Rumi and Hafiz. Like I have my favorite things on the table and this is joined. I just want you to know that. Ah, and young Pueblo Diego, he's like, he's like a brother to me. He's amazing. So I know you've said so. Oh, I love it. I love it. I know you've had him on some of your events too. So let's dive in. Let's talk about stay woke because I was like, I was just sort of like in, in awe of your story. So let's talk about like, what is it and what led you to this place? Mm. Woo. Okay. It's a big question. And I'm also feeling called for the people who don't know Young Pueblo. Y'all need to follow oh. his work. Just by I'll- the way, I'm like, please go look up Young Pueblo, Y-U-N-G-P-U-E-B-L-O. His work is so amazing. And you it's know like, what? Well, you gave him even- a shout out. We'll make yeah. it even easier. I'm going to put a link in the show notes because I put a link to his work in my newsletter cool. when I called yeah. him out around you. Let's yeah. keep supporting. I mean, you and I are both in this soul circle of amazing people. We've got to keep supporting each other's yeah. work and calling each other out. So thank you for that. Totally. Yeah. His book is, he's somebody whose book is next to my bed. So, and, yeah. and he's also just an amazing guy. So anyways, you know, I think trying to listen to like what feels most called, you know, to share. I grew up, you know, in a home literally with gunshot holes on the outside of my house, like actual gunshot holes on the house where it wasn't unusual in my house when I grew up for me to be playing video games. And it was like, duck, okay, duck, Mm -hmm. like there's gunshots happening. And then like, just get up and like continue doing your homework or doing whatever it is, you know? And it's always really fascinating when I think of this because the amount of resilience I must've had and the level of trauma to be going through at that time as a kid, because, you know, 
if not PTSD, when it's present, when it's daily, when it's repeating, it's like present traumatic stress disorder. And just like seeing little Justin and imagining myself being in that. And the thing is, we all have our conditioning and our trauma, like all of us, no matter how privileged of a neighborhood you grew up in or not, we all have conditioning that we overcome. And for me, and I think probably for a lot of your listeners, you know, I adapted to that conditioning by being what I call a chronic overachiever, which mm -hmm. is what I'm in recovery from. Oh, that's going <laughs> to land. That is going to land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's interesting because like some kids adapt by being the kids who like need a lot of attention. And that shows up sometimes through being rowdy or doing things that are quote unquote, not good or getting into trouble. And then some of us, we go like the opposite route. And that has just as big of a shadow because what happens is it looks perfect. It looks like everything's okay. And then nobody's paying attention to what's wrong with you because you look like you're the golden child, right? You look like everything's all right. But underneath there's this huge shadow building. And that shadow is several things. One of which is us not knowing how to detangle our self-worth from what our accomplishments are. Big right? And I know people listening will feel this because there's so many of us that I, I call myself like a recovering overachiever, you know, totally. like a recovering chronic overachiever. And, and so the reason this is so important, you know, as a part of my journey, and I think for many of us, is I did everything. Like I accomplished every single thing that anyone ever expected me to do or I ever set out to do as a kid. Like I was that kid, you know, I graduated the top of my class, was class president, drumline captain, got a full ride academic scholarship to go to UCLA. I get to LA, I come out of the closet, I have extra money for the first time. So here's this kid who grows up in the hood, who now is in Westwood, you know, living in this beautiful place with extra money for the first time, living my life out of the closet. And I had this moment sitting on my dorm room floor at 19 years old, struggling with an eating disorder at the time, where I looked in the mirror and I said, how is it possible that I have done everything and succeeded and I'm still miserable? Oh, wow. You, you know you and I connect deeply yeah. in that space. How? Yeah. You feel it, empty. It, it's so big, you know, it's so big, Shelly. And I think a lot of us, we come to this point in some way and we have to learn this lesson because we think in our lives, this is one of the things that us who are chronic overachievers, one of our shadows is we think that by doing, succeeding, accomplishing, achieving, by changing the external circumstance, just like we talked about before, that it's going to change something within, but it doesn't work. We learn it over and over and over and over in so many different contexts. And so for me, that was kind of like my first I went from like, you know, living in the sky of what I thought my dreams were. And then I get there and I'm like, this is it. Like, this, is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I literally said those same questions. Is this all there is? Like we've yeah. been sold a bill of goods that, oh, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when we get in that cycle, right? Especially as overachievers. Yeah. And like, so for me, what happened was that sent me into my first experience with depression. And I had an eating disorder because I think what was happening for me at that time at 18 years old is I was just trying to figure out, like I was trying to control something, like something's wrong, I have to fix something. So for context, for people, I'm about six feet tall. I'm really 5'11", but my curls, my hair gives me six feet. So I, I claim six feet because of my hair. So I'm, I'm about 5'11". 
I weigh 160 pounds, maybe a little more than that because of COVID. And at the end of my freshman year of college, I weighed 115 pounds. Oh, like, yes, it, it was major. And I ended up having an issue where I collapsed at the gym on the treadmill during finals week at school. And I had to go. And then like the secret was out. Right. Mm. And I had to go to the doctor and I went to a therapist, which was so taboo, you know, all those years ago. And I go to the therapist and the therapist tells me, you should try meditation. And I look at this guy, like you have to just picture here, this is before an iPhone was out. This was before Oprah did a meditation challenge. Just yep. So here's my Head little black Space exists, right, exactly, before yeah. all of it. Yeah, and you know, I didn't know any black people meditating, you know? And so I'm looking at this older white man, therapist, doctor, and he's telling me to meditate. And I said, meta what? <laughs> Isn't that worshiping the devil? I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. And he said, no, young man, like, it seems like you have learned throughout your entire life to try to find your happiness outside of yourself. Mm. And it's about time you learn to find your happiness within. And at that point, literally, I'm like, within? Where? Like, no one had ever told, I never heard this yet. This was not a concept that I had ever even, I just knew there was this God out there who I was having some issues with because I came out of the closet and my church right. kind of got rid of me. Oh. And then, you know, there was me who just does these things. And it was the first kind of moment that I was like, oh, wait, there's this within place. And so that set me on this incredible spiritual journey that started when I was 19 years old, that led to me like getting to this place of teaching and speaking. And now, you know, it's nuts. Like my first spiritual book that I ever picked up was A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. And I will never forget the day when I signed my book deal and I was on the same publisher as Eckhart Tolle. And I said, oh Sounds my true. God, like it was just That's crazy. Incredible. You know? And I got to tell you, I mean, you're on Sounds True and Sounds True when you're in our world doing our things, like is the premier <laughs> imprint to be with. Like, it's so cool. I love it. They yeah. really are. They really are. Okay. So that came full circle and there's another Okay, wait, continue with your story because you had this moment. And I remember when I first met you in Baja and you started teaching to us, I got to know you a little bit personally. Then I got to know you as a teacher in the classroom and you were leading us on this journey. And one of the ways you were leading us on this journey was like through what happened with your baka, uh, with your grandma. Well, and yeah. I, and I can't not bring that up because one of the beautiful things that you do in this book is that she's like a through line. I'm goosey again, the, the, just the, like, your stories of cooking with her and how you carry so many of the lessons and the, the imprint that she left on your life feels like the connective tissue of this story. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Mm. So several years ago, my grandmother, who in my family, we call Baca, and she got diagnosed with stage four cancer and the doctors told her she only had a couple months to live. And uh, 
we don't call her Baca because it's really a special word. It's really because I was like a weird ass little kid. And you know, when you're trying to teach kids to say words. So my family was trying to teach me to say grandma and they would go, Justin, say grand. And I would go grand. And they go, say ma. And I would go ma. And they would say, say grandma. And I would go Baca. <laughs> and so that's how she became Baca, literally. And that's hilarious. Yeah, I love it's that. the most ridiculous thing. But, but you know, that's, that's who she, what she was named in our family. And so my Baca, whose real name was Willa, she got diagnosed with stage four cancer and the doctors told her she had a couple months to live. And it was a huge shock to our family, like shock. She was seemingly in perfect health, very in shape, had her own nonprofit that was helping women come out of like battered relationships and 67 years old, like not anything that I would consider old. And so I was so close to her and I was in LA and I immediately, I just got on an airplane and I flew to the Bay Area to the town that I'm from, Pittsburgh, California. And I get there with my suitcase and pull up to her door. And my whole family's in the house and I knock on the door and she opens it. And before I even could say anything, she just goes, Shh, and she just says, follow me. And I'm looking like, what? Like I have my suitcase and everything. And so she leads me back into her room where in a different room where we were just alone and she asked me a question that literally, Shelly, changed the trajectory of my whole life. She just said, if you were in my shoes and you knew you were going to die in two months, what would you do? And I'm looking at her like, what? You know, I, I'm just thinking, I'm sitting here with my suitcase, like, what are you even talking about? And she said, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a long time. But now that I know I don't have a lot of time, we're talking about this right now. So close your eyes get still, do that meditation thing you always talk about. And what she really said was, and don't you dare open your lips until you're ready to tell me the truth. Ooh. And so I knew I, I'd like, she just like kind of energetically like, you know, wrapped us in this moment. And I closed my eyes and she really called me into my heart in that moment. And I think the emotions were so raw because of the news and everything. I was so cracked open that I felt this well of emotions come up and I wanted to cry, but I couldn't cry because when I was a kid, they said only faggots cry. And I just blurted out. Mm. I just said, I would stop and quit every single thing that I'm doing. And I would record an album. I would do music and I would stop hiding myself and stop living my life based on everyone else's expectations. And she looked me in the eyes right there in that moment. And she said, I know. She was just like, baby, I know. And the thing is, I'd always, like, always wanted to do music and be on stage and be speaking and teaching and doing this stuff ever since I was a little boy. But I grew up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. So music was the last thing on the list to do. It was like, no, you better go do something, quote unquote, successful and safe. And so I, instead of going to UCLA for musical theater, which is what I wanted, I ended up going for marketing and communications you know, get out of school. I start this huge marketing business. By 23, I have six figures. I'm living two blocks from the beach in LA, driving a BMW. Like I thought I was living the dream, you know? And I think we all have these things, these oh, dreams that we yes. stop ourselves from because when we're younger, somebody says, you're too fat or you're too old or you're too ugly or you're too gay or you should have started before you had kids or you waited too long or you're not as educated enough in that or whatever we tell ourselves. And we literally block ourselves from our own transformation. Mm, yeah, so let that my grandmother, sink in. yeah, That's so beautiful. It's a lot. Whew. It's a lot, you know. And and when so when she asked me that, Shelly, it it like woke something up in me that I thought was dead. And so you know, I'm what I'm excited to share, even though my grandmother wasn't here to see it in this realm, at least. Like 
she made me look her in the eyes and she was like, I don't care where, I don't care how, I don't care what, look me in the eyes and promise me you'll do it. You know, and three years later, after going through my own transformation, after stepping through my fears, after a lot of therapy, <laughs> I yeah. put out my first album, which charted, it's called Metamorphosis, and it charted in the top 20 on iTunes next to Britney Spears and Taylor Swift, changed my life, you know, put out my first book and literally now am living the life that is actually mine to live yeah. instead of living the life that people expected me to live or I thought was expected of me to live. And so yeah. now I just, my passion is helping people step into that for themselves. It's so, I, I love your story because every aspect of it is so relatable. And that I always, I always ask a version of that question, right? That your Baca asked you to my clients and the people I'm around and frankly to myself, yeah. right? And, and it's an ongoing journey. So I'm always asking myself like, okay, right? If you only have a month or two months left, like, are you doing the thing you're meant to do? Are you doing the thing you want to do? Are you doing the thing? Or are you getting distracted with all this stuff over here? And so it's such a powerful check-in for all of us on a daily basis. You asked, you asked a powerful question, and I think this is going to get into talking about some of like the practical work that you talk about in the book because it blew me away how simple yet profound it was. You were taking us through an exercise and this might be an interesting one for us to talk about. I literally pulled out my notes from MEA, just so you know. Oh, I was just like, oh wait, I remember loving that and having some really good notes. And there's one thing I'm still struggling with and maybe it'll come up in this conversation. You were taking us through how to start working through the things that are standing in our way from doing exactly what you just described. So four toxic things, toxic habits, toxic people, toxic thoughts, like what's going on in our own heads and toxic beliefs that the world puts on us. So, so much of what you just described and you asked the question. So we were talking about habits. Habits is one of the big ones I'm personally trying to work on. And drinking was the one that came up that day in the that. conversation. Yeah, I remember that. Working How's on that it. going? Maybe, How's that not, going? I'm in and out uh, and not well, which is why I'm bringing it up. Cause I want to call myself out on my yep. own bullshit. I, I like, I'm like, I'm not drinking. And then it was my birthday two weeks ago. And I'm yep, like, look, that'll do look, it. look, 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 look. The birthday and... will do it. The birthday will do it. Yep. So anyway, we can talk about this, but I, I want to set it up in this way because this is the thing I think about every single day. You ask the question, is this habit serving my vision or distracting from it? Basically, like, is it getting me closer to who I be or further away? And it landed so deeply because there's a, a version of that that I, I ask my clients all the time. And I'm like, shit, the static in the channel is because I keep doing things that are distracting me from and taking me further away from this mission that I was put on the earth to lead, this movement of liberating souls. And I'm like, whoo, this is still hard stuff to pull apart. So maybe can we dig into that a little bit? Oh, yeah. You yeah. know I love digging into this. <laughs> this is my favorite part. And so, and the reason why I'm so happy, Shelly, that you chose this part to talk about, because mm. when I'm talking about, and this is what I meant in the beginning about like the real ass transformation or whatever we said, you know, is like, most people, when they hear transformation and this and that and motivation and meditation, 
what people immediately think is because this is kind of the propaganda of what we've been taught to think is that it's all about thinking positive, listening to inspirational podcasts, doing gratitude practices, making sure you're meditating. And yes, like, yes, you know, and if you are not looking into your shadow, mm. if you are not looking at the ways in which you are sabotaging your own self, the ways in which you are your own poison, I don't care how many fucking podcasts you listen to. I don't care how many days you sit down to write a gratitude practice. It is like watering a garden full of weeds and expecting roses to bloom. Totally. Literally. We, and, it's, and, it, and we have to do it with compassion because we all have it. I have it. I teach the shit and I have my own stuff that I have to get through. Yeah, you have stuff. And that's why I'm, I'm grateful that you're so vulnerable and like open about it because it's a process. It's a constant commitment that we make to ourselves. And so because every single day we have a choice to choose our vision or not. Every single instant we have a choice to choose our vision or not. And so the thing that I talk about with self-sabotage and I consider toxic habits to be one of them is nothing is inherently toxic. Most things, I'll say most things are not inherently toxic. Most things are just neutral. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is this habit or person or thing that I am doing I'm going to say person that I'm doing, but literally sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. What, literally that sometimes too. Like, is, is all this stuff taking me closer to who I want to become or further away? And it's that easy. There's no in between. Every choice is taking you in one direction or the other. And so what I ask myself is, is this habit as simple of a habit as staying up too late and watching TV? Is that taking me closer or further away? Well, TV is not toxic, right? Smoking weed, whatever, none of it is toxic. But if you're somebody who tells me, which I'm sure a lot of your clients come and say stuff like this, oh, well, I really want to write this book and I really want to work on this project, but I don't have any time. I just don't have time. I'm so busy. And yes. then you slip in a question and you're like, oh my God, have you watched Witcher Call It on Netflix? Like, what are you watching on Netflix? And they rattle off 20 shows that they're watching. Then guess what? Watching yeah. Netflix is toxic for you, not because Netflix is bad, but because it's keeping you from the time that you need to accomplish your goals. So I tell people to look at it in their lives in a very practical way. What is it that you're doing regularly? When are you sleeping? When are you waking up? What are you putting in your body? What's going on in your life? Who's around you? And are those things taking you closer to your vision or further away? I think it's, yes, thank you for that. And and I am still like, you know what? The, the beautiful part about your book, I remember the intro. One of my favorite parts is you're like, when you say a meditation guide for the rest of us, and I was like, oh, I'm so curious. What does that mean? And then you're like, basically because meditation, the way it's been presented for decades, hundreds of years is like, you know, the yogi in the white flowing robes on the <laughs> mountains or the monk who gives up everything and, you know, doesn't have modern day distractions. And you focus on the fact that it's like, no, what, guess what? It's for us, the real people who have real struggle, who yeah. need these mindset shifts. And 
you say in the beginning that you make a confession, like this isn't really a meditation book. And Uh I loved that because having gotten to know you, I got to know you before I read the book. I was like, that is so fucking spot on. It's not, it's beautiful because you're really getting us into powerful mindset works and work and reframes. And that's what you're doing. You're helping us realize the choices we're making in our lives. Yeah. And look, this is the thing. I actually, the reason right away I said, and I say in the book, it's not a meditation book. The only reason I teach meditation is because I know, and I've tried everything. I've done everything, done all the ceremonies. I've done all the different kinds of therapy, the EMDR, the, this, the hypno, everything. Okay. Like read all the, and that stuff is all great. I'm not saying it's, it's bad. If you don't have a practice to integrate it so that it can Mm. turn into action in your life, you're wasting a lot of money and time. You have to have a way to integrate it. And the truth is one of my favorite, favorite quotes from my book, and this is what meditation really, I think has the power to do, is that prayer is when you're speaking to your source of higher power and meditation is when you're listening to the messages coming back to you. That's it. And, And if you're not religious or spiritual, don't look at it that way. Like whatever it is for you, you know, but we all spend so much time asking show me the way, what do I do? Reading tarot cards, oracle readings, astrology, the pattern, everything that we have. But if we don't know how to listen to the whisper and the voice that's inside of us, we miss the answer. Yes. We miss it, you know? And so this is what the practice has the power to do, to help you integrate it and take action in your life. And that's what I aim to do in my book. I love it. I have to now highlight my other favorite phrase of yours, which is, if you can worry, you can meditate. And that is the first time I heard you say that I was like, boom, like I want that on a fucking t-shirt. So can you talk about that? Because I think that will shift people's perspectives on meditation. Yeah. So I have it on the back, literally it's on the back cover of the book because it's like, Oh. It's so important. Yeah, look, turn well, around. That's so it says, funny. I didn't even realize that. If, yep, if you can worry, you can meditate. And that's because yeah. worrying and meditation literally are the same thing. They have very different results in our lives. But when you worry, what happens? You can be doing anything and you keep returning to some negative centering thought over and over and over throughout your day. When you meditate, we're asking you to return to a thought over and over and over throughout your practice and throughout your day. But the difference is when we meditate, we flip the switch from worry to empowerment. We then decide what is it that we're centering our life around? What is it that we are intending to choose to come back to? What is it that we are choosing to believe in? Not what the media is throwing at us, not what the news is throwing at us, not what your trauma is throwing at you, not what your circumstances are throwing at you, not what your fears are throwing at you, What are you choosing to believe in and follow and move on? And when we don't take the time to do that, if we don't take the time to listen and even get still with it, then our only way of knowing what to do in our life is by listening and bouncing it off of something outside of ourselves. All the external validation, totally. Yeah, so that's it, you know? And and people who think, oh, I can't meditate, I can't meditate. Yes, you've been meditating all day, just on the wrong thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's what I say. So let's get you set up 
to meditate on the right thing, even just for a few minutes. Oh my God. You've been meditating all day, just on the wrong thing. I'm just telling you now, and any of my clients who are listening, you're going to hear that again. Yes. Say it. <laughs> Because like, worry is a thing that consumes people, right? It consumes yeah. a lot of us. And I love, again, I just, I love being able to play with mindset and flip perspectives. And that to me was, whoo, that was like a goosebumps one. Okay. So, you know, I could sit here and talk to you all day long. We still have some good time left. I want to shift into this, like your work. Here's my Shelly Paxton's rebel perspective on your work. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Like since the moment your Baca asked you that question and you came into your own truth and you made that beautiful commitment, not only to her, but to yourself yeah. that you were going to, you know, create that album that went to the top 20. Hello, huge. <laughs> right. And that, and, and you have cleared the static from your channel. Like you talk very openly in your book and in your speaking gigs about the fact that you went celibate and quit drinking. And what else did you do? No caffeine. Everything. Basically Everything. nothing. No I'm basically a nun. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, <laughs> caffeine and porn and, you know. For the but, record, but, you're the hottest nun I've ever seen. I just want to say it. <laughs> No, but you know, I, I want to just say, as you're saying that, like, I don't actually even preach or suggest that anybody give up any of those things. Like for me, it was about what did I need to do to become who I needed to be in the yes. world? And those were some of the things that I needed to do. It's not what everybody, what everybody needs to do. You Thank know? you for saying so. that. Cause I wasn't throwing it out there as in that should all be a goal that we get no. to. I am recognizing though. So if I just use my own habits, like toxic habits as an example, or we use the toxic habit of going down the Netflix rabbit hole for a hundred hours, right? Mm -hmm. If we use those as examples, those are static in the channel that are keeping them from serving our mission, from serving who, serving, you know, who and what we truly are. So it strikes me. The reason I bring it up is that the more and more you listened and you said, yeah, that's not serving me. That's distracting me. Move it away. That's not serving me. That's distracting. Move it away. And those things are going to be different for all of us. Yeah. The more you've done that and practice that, the bigger and bigger and bigger your work and your presence and your leadership has become in this world. That's my observation. Does that land mm. true with you? Yeah. And I've never had anybody reflect it quite that way, but you're right. You know, I think, yeah, thank you. I, I received that fully because mm. I think it's, it's more that I've been clearing out. <laughs> I think of it this way, like if I was in a hot air balloon, like trying to elevate my vibration and like rise up to higher heights in some way. And all the little habits that I had that seemed like they weren't a big deal were like little leaks in the balloon. And so I would try to get to a certain height, but then the pressure and everything would just make the leak come out faster and I would never end up where I wanted to go. So doing the self-sabotage work or the healing, the self-sabotage work rather and the shadow work was like patching up those holes. You know, so nice. that so that the work can elevate and that I can elevate my own vibration with it. And all the personal growth work that I was trying to do could actually work, you know, instead of it just going back and forth. 
Yeah, I love that. I use a hot air balloon analogy a lot with my clients as well in this like very specific energy leadership work that I do. Mm. And I talk about it only slightly different, but I'm realizing we're talking about the same thing in different language. What I talk about is the way you make a hot air balloon rise is you throw off the sandbags. And so often those toxic habits, those, you know, the the voices in our heads, all the things are the sandbags that are keeping yeah. our hot air balloon from rising. So yes. similar, similar concepts. That's it. I love, we have so much overlap. It's I know. wild. It is I know. so this, cool. It's so cool. Our work supports each other. And so I want to, okay. So continuing this, this thought of like, I was just thinking about like your trajectory and you're only, you're 32 years young. And by the <laughs> way, I think everybody's years young. Cause I don't think we, we get old, old is a mindset, right? You're 32 years young. You started this journey when you were 19, you've had a big fucking impact in this world and the work that you are now leading. I want to make sure we talk about, because I mentioned it in the beginning, but you are now You've built this incredible platform and followership. You've got the kingdom on Sundays that you do. And it truly is like, I've tuned in and it is like preach. I can listen to you all day, brother, talk on really important topics. And you're now taking that followership and you are starting a movement around ending racism. Yes. And you and I are sitting here at the beginning of Black History Month, and we cannot talk about this enough. We cannot shine a bright enough spotlight on this and the work overall and the work that you're leading. And so can we talk about it? Can you talk about your manifesto? I, yeah. will, say, I will say this. I am including all of your manifesto, the pledge, all the things in my newsletter that goes out before this will actually drop, but the two should beautifully meld together. So I want to say that I'm all in. So please let's talk about this so that others understand it and rebel souls can be the next to pledge and we go from there. So what is it? What? I love you, sister. You're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. And thank you for the the way that you're showing up in this work Mm. right now too. It's really powerful and a beautiful example. So, so I've been involved for the last several years, you know, in, in social justice, equality work and in this work and a little bit of a different way. I I call myself an inner activist, you know, because I'm trying to kind of like help match all the work that's happening on the external. Like I've talked about to help it last. And after George Floyd and the protests really blew up in the way that they did throughout the United States, I was getting called to speak a lot more at companies and in places around, specifically around race and racism. And I love doing this. I have a, a big talk that I do called Finding Your Authentic Voice in the Movement for Equality. And a, a way that really helps us understand that we cannot, like literally, if we want to actually make change, we cannot do it with shame and blame. And so how do we do it instead? How do we call each other forward instead of calling each other out? How do we step into this? And as I was preparing to get this talk ready for, for all these companies, I was doing my due diligence and reading all the books that came out in 2020. There were so many yes. books. It was like the first time we had had this New York Times bestseller list that was like full of past and me and white supremacy and becoming anti-race, yeah. You know, all of the amazing books that people wrote. And so I'm reading all the books and I'm reading all the articles and I'm watching all the things that are happening and I'm taking it all in. And I just felt like everything had this. So I want to say this first, 
I agree with every single thing that all of my colleagues are writing and saying. This is not a disagree with. This is an and. So as I'm reading all their books and I'm doing everything, I'm thinking, huh, it's really interesting. Like every single person makes this statement and assumption that racism can't end. Like it, mm-hmm. it will never end. Like it's something that generations will be doing and we've been doing it for generations and we're gonna keep doing it for generations and it's a lifelong work. And I'm thinking, I don't wanna be doing this shit for my life, my whole life, like, you Amen. know. Like, and so I just started to ask a question as I was reading, I was like, why not? If, why can't racism end? Why not? And that question like tripped something in my brain And I started reading all the work differently. And I was like, wow, what if we were doing all this work, not just to fight against racism, but to end it, like the same work. And so this is how, what we talked about, the way we show up for what we're doing, the outcome of what we're doing changes. And so if we're just in it to be in this lifelong fight, God, you know, what the hell is the point? But if we're doing it to end racism, now we have a real mission to go toward. And and people, you know, People, if people read the article, so I wrote a manifesto that talks about the mindset shifts that we first need to have to change this context. And I asked people to sign a pledge and we've had thousands and thousands of people do it. And, you know, I think one of the most important things that this can do right now is if people can even just think for a second, wait, this could end? That context changes the context of the world because I don't think enough of us have even had the thought that it can end. You know, I mean, you're just the the way you framed this. I wrote down the manifesto name ending racism, how to change the world in one generation like that alone right there. It's like, holy shit. Why not? Why Why not? not? Exactly. As you just said, why do we keep like letting this go on and on and on? That was so powerful where it was like it just felt very discreet. Like, just like COVID, we're going to fight this fucking thing and make it go away. Yeah. Right. So that, and I just want to put a finer point on the, the distinction you just made this moving toward ending racism versus fighting against racism. And when I read that, I was like, fuck yes, that's rebel for, we are rebelling for ending racism. That's it. That's it. And that, that's the, yes. And that is the biggest, like, that's the biggest mindset shift. So a lot of, a lot of the work right now, and this is, it's so when we look back at this moment in history, when the world looks back at this moment in history, a decade, several decades from now, hundreds of years from now, we are in the infancy of equality and social justice work. We're in preschool. Okay. Yeah. And so like, this is the first time there's been New York Times bestselling books. The first time anybody's having these kind of conversations, everyone's stepping in and getting messy and there's not a lot of education and we're all figuring it out. Like, and people are going to look back and go, Oh, like that was a weird way to do that. You know, like that wasn't. And I think one of those things is, is going to be this. We can't just be looking at what we're fighting against. We have to also have our eye on what we're moving toward. Mm. It can't just be fighting against. It has to be fighting for Because in the fighting for, I don't even really like fighting for, I like moving toward. In the moving toward, you're automatically moving away from what you're fighting against. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it's, you're automatically moving away from what you're fighting against in your moving towards something. But what happens is if we're just focused on what we're fighting against, but we're not looking at what we're moving toward, 
then we all actually end up more separated than we ever even were in the beginning because now we don't even have that common thing that we're fighting against. And we end up fighting each other. And we end up fighting each other. And so it's like, we go in all these different directions. And so I said, wow, what if, what if it wasn't about changing what we're doing? What if it was changing why we're doing it? And how does that impact the world in a much different way? And what I love about all of that, and, and this is the way I think about rebel for, so moving toward and rebelling for are of yeah. the same ilk, right? Again, of course, because we speak they the are. same language, which I love. Yeah, and the we're reason, from the same cloth. <laughs> totally. And the reason why I love that is because it's expansive and it's empowering and it's constructive. Like I could go on and on. Whereas when you think about rebelling against or fighting against it's on someone else's terms and on someone yeah. else's turf it's destructive usually to your point about like now we're all fighting each other yeah so i just love what the possibility it opens up when we talk about toward and for and all of that i agree with you i don't usually use the word fight which is maybe yeah. sort of where rebel came from right, right. But that moving toward is so beautiful because it's possible, it's expansive, it's empowering, and it's on our terms. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me say, I think what the biggest thing is, it's about the energy that we're bringing, who we're being in the mm. process. And so yeah. when you're focused on what you're fighting against, your focus is on what you hate. When you're focused on what you're moving toward, your focus is on what you love. Mm. Right. And so like the energy of that goes, so is so different, right. Even though, and the, so the results of that will be very different. One thing is protecting what you love. The other thing is fighting against what you hate and in protecting what you love, you're automatically going to fight against what you hate, but you focus on your energy of love and what you care about. And so that weaves in a completely different energy into what we're doing. And this is why, you know, I'll say this, this is why, Black Lives Matter as a hashtag is something that everybody can get around and focus on because it's around what we love, what you love, something that matters. On the flip side of this, what I found so fascinating, you know, and I wrote a letter to them in the beginning, but it was, it was already off to the races, a hashtag like defund the police, okay? So freaking, it was so off base, if you ask me. And I say this publicly because... Almost everyone that you talk to across every divide, Republican, Democrat, everything in between, if you break down what defund the police actually is, which is literally just reallocating of some resources into programs that actually ensure more safety, which we do all the time, right? Like you don't hear anybody throwing a stir when we defund education every year. We do that every year to put it into something else. So we reallocate resources all the time. But defund the police was only talking about in that hashtag fighting against something. And with that reason, it immediately shut people off. And people who would have been for it, actually are, their ears are closed because they're like, I have police officers in my family. I, and my dad was a police officer and my grandpa, so I get it. You know. And so this is how we have to be careful about what is it that we're moving toward? What is it that we're rebelling for? not just what we're fighting against. And that will change the way we handle this movement in the world. Amen. And language matters. So thank matters. you for language 
matters. And you are giving us some really powerful language and concepts and constructs to help us move toward and move forward. And that's why I said early on, like you, there's this powerful preacher part of you that to me, like when I heard you, so I watched your video of you reading the manifesto Mm. and it felt like the next generation, I have a dream speech. And then when I went to your site and I noticed that you have a graphic on there that says, we still have a dream. And I was like, fuck, that is exactly what I took away from what you've put out there. We still Mm. have a dream and you are helping to fire people up and lead them toward ending racism. And I'm so grateful and you're doing it and the way you're showing up in doing this work is really moving to me. And that's why I'm so hot on sharing it with everyone I know and my whole community. And will you tell us more? Yeah. We're grateful for you. Thank you. So how can we get deeper into this work because I'm going to give everybody a link to watch or read the manifesto. So let's start there because amen, then we can take the pledge. I'll make sure that everybody is linked to take the pledge. What else can we do? You had a few other things. Yeah. So a few things. So if you go, the the simplest way is to go to endingracismtogether.com. That will take you to both the article and the pledge endingracismtogether.com and you'll get the the manifesto and the pledge and and be engaged in the community in that way. And you can decide if you want to hear more about the movement and what's happening. And the other thing that our community, so like one of my main missions, you know, other than being what you called a practical teacher and a powerful preacher, which I freaking love you for that, is I'm really aiming to bring us together, you know, to really bring us together across what people perceive as divides, you know, and I, I have... I think I have an ability to do this because I've lived this in my own family and DNA. I'm half black, half Persian. My mom is adopted into an Italian family. My parents divorced when I was young. So growing up, I was the only black man in my house that I grew up in. And so like what people perceived as divides, my whole life I've realized people are a lot more alike than they think they are different, you know? And so how do we come together and not just pretend we are all one, but how do we actually honor our differences? How do we call each other forward? How do we get stronger because of them? And so every Sunday, my community gets together. There's thousands of us for something called the kingdom, which you've mentioned and you've yes. seen. And it's, I tell people, it's like if church, Super Soul Sunday and a TED talk had a baby, that's what the kingdom is. That's it's like, such a perfect description of isn't it. Isn't that what it is? <laughs> it's like it. what it is. Because it's like, we have teachings and lessons, but it's not just inspiration. We take it into action. There's slides. I have special guests sometimes. We have music and it's free. It's totally free. So I invite everybody to come to that. And then finally, if anybody feels called to contribute, we are giving grants and scholarships to people who want to take our program called the Liberation Experience, which is a program that helps people actually not just come together in theory but we bring people together from across divides and actually facilitate conversation between people. It's an amazing program and we provide scholarships to BIPOC, to black indigenous and people of color. And we also provide scholarships to other uh, black indigenous and people of color who have taken the pledge to end racism and who are trying to do it in their own way. And so you can go to wecandreambigger.org 
and you'll hit my 501c3, the Dream Bigger Foundation, and you can make any donation that you can there to help us spread this mission, you know, out into the world. We will. So I want to just say I made my donation this morning. You are amazing. I love you. I love you too. And I love the work that you're doing. And there's no more important place that my money could go than to supporting what you're talking about. We will make sure all the links of what you just mentioned are in the show notes. So, so for sure that, and this is going to circle us back to music, which is where I'd kind of, I was hoping we'd sort of come home in the music space you mentioned. And I heard for the first time this morning this song called The Turning. And I know if we stream the shit out of that, some proceeds go to ending racism as well, right? Exactly. So if you look up, uh, just look Justin Michael Williams up on Spotify or Apple Music. And there is a song that I did with the brothers Corin, who are amazing. Um, They're white and obviously I'm black. And we came together to create this song called The Turning. And it says, you know, listen to the sounds of the turning tide where all men walk side by side where man sees himself in his brother's eyes and mother earth no longer cries. You know, that's the chorus. And, and all the stream, all, the, all of it, not like a percentage of it, every single dollar that comes in from those streams is going straight to our scholarship fund to help people with the ending racism thing. So if you just literally just go push play and listen to it once and then put it on repeat and turn your phone all the way down and then go to sleep, <laughs> it'll just keep playing in the background while you're sleeping and you can help give money to those I, in need. <laughs> I love it. And I almost had it playing as we came on today because it has been playing in my apartment all day long. And you read my mind because what I was going to ask you to do is speak the words of the chorus, which are so powerful. And you just did that. So thank oh, wow. you. Like who you said right before the chorus starts, what is it? Um, Discrimination the, is, is killing, killing the, nation. the nation. Breaking hearts of the young generation. Is this the best we can leave behind? A world where the blind lead the fearful blind, you know? And so it's, it's a beautiful song, the Brothers Corin, like we, it, it means so much. And, you know, Shelly, if you want, I'll send it to you and you can even just play it on the end of this episode if you want for people to listen to it. If you I wanna love that. throw it in. And, um, but if people actually go listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music, it's better because then we can raise money for the. Yeah, well, we'll, well I think doing both, right? So let's, cool. let's encourage both. And I wanna highlight because everybody in my community has heard me talk about, to me, the importance of this idea of being an impact billionaire. Mm-hmm. And Justin, I don't even know if you and I have had this conversation. So I want to bring it home with this idea. And then I want to know what's next for you. But the idea is when I read that your goal with these pledges is to get 25% of the population, which is 1.9 billion of us pledging to end racism, to do everything in our power, to move toward ending racism it floored me like tears in my eyes, goosebumps from head to toe, because to me, this is the new currency. I talk a lot. I make this declaration at the beginning of my book that I am out to liberate a billion souls. And I, in no way, shape or form, believe I'm going to do that on my own, want to do that on my own. So like you said, it's about uniting people, moving toward making that choice And I said this to a friend of mine a couple few years ago before I wrote the book. And he said, 
Shelly, you're an impact billionaire. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but that's really the only billionaire club I want to be a part of. It's not that I don't. (laughs) I was just going to say, it's not that I don't care about money, (laughs) but I believe money follows impact. It does. Right. And I always say money follows mission. And so I'm on a mission. The money will follow if I keep showing up in a way, you know, similar to you, right? If we keep showing up in service of our mission and of our community and of what we believe in and who we are. And so, yeah, amen to that. I just wanted to say like that hit me so hard. I'm like, fuck yes. An impact billionaire. And I want to just keep spreading that idea because the new ROI is ripples of impact and you are doing it, brother. That's it. That's it. That's it, sister. That, that is it. Ripples of impact is what it's all about is really what it's all about is how do we ignite other people to step into their own agency and power to help spread the ripples of change out into the world. And so Mm. thank you for we're doing it together. And so is every single one of your listeners. Oh, we are. We are. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to start wrapping up. I just have to ask though, because I love your music. I've really gotten into it. And you and I haven't had a conversation like what's next? Like, are you working on another album or I anything? Am. I'm working on another album right now. And I'm also working on another book right now. So there's a couple things <gasps> happening. I mean, it, you know, it'll be a little bit of time before yeah. before it gets seen, but I'm, I'm working on a few things. And yeah, there's a lot coming. And if people want to just be engaged, you know, they can find me on Instagram. We just will. But the, really the best way is to go get on my newsletter. I'm much more of a newsletter person than an Instagram person, even though that's not typical of somebody who's a millennial. Oh my God. (laughs) You do an amazing job on Instagram for having said that. We'll make sure there's all the links, your website, so they can sign up for your newsletter, your Instagram, everything around the manifesto and the pledge that we just talked about donations. We'll make sure all of that is in there. And I'm so excited for new book, new music. I have to tell you, I put this in the background. Can you see the guitar behind me? Yes, I do. I see the guitar and the surfboard. Yeah. So the surfboard's not mine. The guitar is. So I was told when I was like in my early twenties, I'd always wanted to learn how to play the guitar. I'm going to bring this home because it's everything you stand for. And my roommates were like, you fucking suck. You suck. Our ears are bleeding. You've got to stop playing. Please don't do this anymore. And I believed them instead of saying, no, as you practice, you get better. I may not be on stages playing guitar globally, but I love doing this and it makes my soul sing. And instead I sold my used guitar, put it away forever. And I made a declaration this year. You partly inspired this because you told me you learned how to, you taught yourself guitar during COVID. And I was like, you know what, if he can do it, so can I, and I am good enough. And I made this declaration and I have a friend at Fender and he just sent me this beautiful guitar that I received yesterday. So I am enough. I'm going to learn how to play the effing guitar and I'm super excited. And thank you for the inspiration. Yes. Hell yeah. There's actually this amazing class that I took online. It's like strum and sing in 60 days. It's this guy, his website is heartwoodguitar.com. And it okay. Phenomenal. Oh, like it well, helped me a lot. Yeah. I might play with that. And look what I got. Fender Ooh. has their own thing. And they gave me 12 months. By the way, this is not a paid ad that I don't get paid for anything, no, but course. I'm going to, I'm going to play around with this Fender That's play. Amazing. Fender. Hell yeah. 
I know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Yeah. Anyway, this has been so incredible. Highlight of my year so far. I'm so excited to be reconnected, reunited on the same path, supporting everything you do. And I hope that I can just bring more people to support the missions that you're on transformation and ending racism and every other freaking thing you do brother, because I love you. I love you, sister. Love you. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Hey Rebel, thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow Rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com and follow me at soulbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for? Thank you.